Uh, some of you may have heard the, the story recently of a guy named Stefan Breitweiser. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. I have no idea, but we're going to go with that. And, but, the, but this dude may be the greatest art thief of all time. Uh, he's stolen approximately 300 works of art from over 200 different museums. Uh, with his girlfriend acting as a lookout, he, has, he generally steals during broad daylight. Uh, he's stolen with guards in the room. He's stolen with visitors in the room. He's stolen while he's on a tour with other people and just kind of grabbed something and stuck it in his jacket along the way. Uh, he never sold any of this. He, ke- he kept it uh, in an attic apartment that he shared with his girlfriend in his mom's house. And the collection has been valued at around a billion dollars. All right, think about that if your kids are living with you and what they might have in the attic. Um, he was he was he was caught once. The first time he was caught, he said, "Hey, I've never done this before. Uh, I won't do it again." And they let him go. Uh, he they eventually started tying things together, and he was arrested. He spent four years in prison, got out, was arrested, spent some time in prison, got out. This February, he was arrested again. Uh, Stefan Breitweiser has a problem with what we're looking at today. Is a problem with the Eighth Commandment, uh, which is do not steal. He has an impulse to take. But what I want to suggest to us this morning is that while you may not struggle with an impulse to take, uh, you and I have a, a, a problem, not, may have a problem not so much with taking, but I, I would guess that you may have an impulse to keep. An impulse to keep that is just as dangerous to your soul and just as much a violation of the Eighth Commandment. So that's what we're going to be thinking about today through the lens of, of all these different scriptures. Uh, what is the Eighth Commandment really getting at? So let's, let's look at these together. The first is from Exodus 20. You shall not steal. And from Malachi 3. Will man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? In your tithes and contributions, you are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. Ephesians 4, let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. 1 Timothy 5, But if anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for members of his household, he is denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Romans 13, For because of this you also pay taxes. For the authorities are ministers of God attending to this very thing. Pay to all what is owed to them, taxes to whom taxes are owed, revenue to whom revenue is owed, Respect to whom respect is owed, honor to whom honor is owed. Second Thessalonians 3, For even when we were with you, we would give you this command, If anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. First Thessalonians 4, But we urge you, brothers, to do this more and more, and to aspire to live quietly and to mind your own affairs, and to work with your hands as we instructed you so that you may walk properly before outsiders and be dependent on no one. Deuteronomy 15. If among you one of your brothers should become poor in any of your towns within your land that the Lord your God is giving you, you shall not harden your heart or shut your hand against your poor brother, 
but you shall open your hand to him and lend to him sufficient for his need, whatever it may be. Proverbs 19. Whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will repay him for his deed. Isaiah 58. Cry aloud, do not hold back, lift up your voice like a trumpet. Declare to my people their transgression, to the house of Jacob their sins. Yet they seek me daily and delight to know my ways, as if they were a nation that did righteousness and did not forsake the judgment of their God. They ask of me righteous judgments. They delight to draw near to God. Why have we fasted and you see it not? Why have we humbled ourselves and you take no knowledge of it? Behold, in the day of your fast you seek your own pleasure and oppress all your workers. Behold, you fast only the quarrel and the fight and the hit with a wicked fist. Fasting like yours this days will not make your voice to be heard on high. Is such the fast that I choose, a day for a person to humble himself? Is it to bow down his head like a reed and to spread sackcloth and ashes under him? Will you call this a fast and a day acceptable to the Lord? Is not this the fast I choose? To loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the straps of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free and to break every yoke. Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house, when you see the naked to cover him and not to hide yourself from your own flesh? Then shall your light break forth like the dawn, and your healing shall spring up speedily. Your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call, and the Lord will answer. You shall cry, and he will say, Here I am. If you take away the yoke from your midst, the pointing of the finger, and speaking wickedness, if you pour yourself out for the hungry and satisfy the desire of the afflicted, then shall your light rise in the darkness and your gloom be as the noonday. And the Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your desire in scorched places and make your bones strong. And you shall be like a watered garden, like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. And your ancient ruins shall be rebuilt. You shall raise up the foundations of many generations. You shall be called the repair of the breach, the restorer of the streets to dwell in. First Timothy chapter 6. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world and we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing with these, we will be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pains. As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future, so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. Matthew 13. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches Choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. For Matthew 6, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. 
Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. And then from 2 Corinthians 8. We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. Accordingly, we urge Titus that as he had started, so he should complete among you this act of grace. But as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, and in all earnestness and in our love for you, see that you excel in this grace also. I say this not as a command, but to prove by the earnestness of others that your love also is genuine. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, Yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. Would you pray with me? Father, this is your word. Uh, and I pray that you would help me to explain it and present it clearly. Holy Spirit, I, I pray that you would give us soft hearts uh, so that we would not be those who try to take or keep, but we would be people who let go. And give freely. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. So the eighth commandment is do not steal, which means don't take stuff that doesn't belong to you. All right? Uh, uh, that's the Hebrew. In, in Ephesians 4, um, Paul, though, says that thieves are to stop stealing and they are to work. Why? So that they can then provide for those who are in need. So the, the flip side of the commandment, we've seen as we've gone through the Ten Commandments, there's a flip side to all of these. The flip side of this commandment is the principle that we see throughout the Bible. That not only are we not to take what is not ours, but we are also to give freely. Uh, and so we're going to look at this through the lens of taking, keeping, and letting go. But before I, I kind of dive into that, I need to say two things kind of as preliminaries. Number one, the Eighth Commandment assumes the right to private property. This commandment wouldn't make any sense if there was no way to distinguish what belongs to you and what belongs to me. All right? So they're like, this is, this is my shirt. This is not your shirt. All right? That, that's one thing. Secondly, we own things, but God is the ultimate owner 
of all things. So, so really, my ownership is a stewardship. All right? I, I do own it, but ultimately, God owns it. God has given me the right to own certain things in order to enjoy them, uh, in order to take care of them, and in order to use them ultimately for his glory. So when it comes to my possessions, I'm not free to use them just however I want to use them. My use and my management of my possessions should be uh, shaped by how God wants those possessions to be used. So those are just a couple preliminary things. So taking, keeping, letting go. First of all, taking. Many years ago, the... um, at the University of Southern California, people started walking off with the T-shirts that the football team was wearing for practice. They liked the way they were designed, so people just started taking these shirts. And so the university, what they did was they stenciled property of USC onto the shirts. And what happened was everybody thought, oh, that's really cool. So more people stole the shirts because they said property of USC on them. So what USC did was they started printing property of USC on shirts and actually selling them to their fans and the general public. So kind of a, a capitalistic approach to dealing with, dealing with theft. But, but stealing is, is taking something, whether it's a shirt or a, a television or a car or whatever, that doesn't belong to you. Uh, the larger catechism, which we have printed in the Confession of Sin, we're not going to read all that, so don't, don't start freaking out about that. But, but the larger catechism, here's some of the things it lists as theft, um, as stealing. Theft, robbery, man-stealing, or, or kidnapping, uh, which, if you think about it, would have eliminated the African slave trade, and we wouldn't have had the slavery problem in the United States if people had just obeyed uh, this commandment. Receiving stolen property, using false weights and measures. There's a, uh, there's a Norman Rockwell painting where a lady's buying some meat from the butcher and he's put the meat on the scales and, and, and she's pushing up on the bottom of the scale and he's pushing down on the top of the scale. Like they're both trying to, they're both trying to game the system. Uh, it mentions removing landmarks, uh, unfaithfulness in contracts, usury, which is charging excessive interest, uh, engrossing commodities to enhance the price. And I'm going to let Timothy Terrell come up and explain what that is. Now, uh, the, the, the best example I read of, of what this is, I think, is, is if you have a monopoly on a product, this would prohibit you creating an artificial shortage in order just to, to jack up the price on that thing. Uh, there's a reference here to, to depopulations, or I think it says depredations in our translation. Uh, and and I, I think they're grabbing this from Isaiah 5. Let me read, read Isaiah 5. Woe to those who join house to house, who add field to field, until there is no more room and you are made to dwell alone in the midst of the land. Uh, In the Old Testament, the the land was supposed to go back to the original owner of that land, even if it had been sold or whatever. It went back to the original owner during the year of Jubilee. But what was happening was people who were rich and powerful were gathering up all the land and keeping it for themselves and basically forcing the poor off of their land. And so the larger catechism is saying that that's actually theft when you do that sort uh, of thing. Um, those are a few things the catechism mentioned. Stealing would include things like stealing the answers so that you can cheat on a test and, and make a better grade. Uh, it would include things like being lazy and not doing your job well because you're actually stealing from your 
employer. It'd be not doing your best at school because you're actually uh, stealing from your teachers, you're stealing time from them. Uh, you're, you're stealing from your parents who, are, her, who maybe are paying for you to be in school and you're taking advantage of that. You're stealing from God who tells us to do our work as, as unto the Lord. We can steal people's moments when somebody comes up to our group and starts telling a great story and, and somehow we find a way to kind of make that come back to us and make it about us instead of letting them share their story. We steal when we pirate software or shoplift or hack a television signal that you're supposed to be paying for. Um, stealing is, is taking something that doesn't belong to you. Every... Um, Every year, it's said that hundreds of people actually steal wood, steal petrified wood from the Petrified Forest National Park. And what happens is some of them get home and they start actually feeling guilty about this. And so they mail the wood back with a, with a note that says, I'm, I'm really sorry, we shouldn't have done this. Here's your, here's your petrified wood. And so the, the park, in order to try to discourage people from doing this, they started posting all the notes that they had received. And when they started posting all the notes that they received, more people started taking wood, right? And, and, and the law has a way of doing that to us. There's something in our hearts that when we're told not to do something, we have this tendency to be like, oh, I'm, I'm going to do that. St. Augustine talks about this in his Confessions where he tells the story of as a young boy going and stealing pears from a pear tree and he says I didn't do it because they were these great looking pears or because I was hungry or because I love pears or anything like that he said I stole something which I had in plenty and of much better quality my desire was to enjoy not what I sought by stealing but merely the excitement of thieving and the doing of what was wrong in other words I, I just wanted to do what I wanted to do and if I want to take something that isn't mine then it can be pretty easy for me to come up with a rationalization for why it's okay for me to take that and why that's not big, that big a deal and why, after all, I'm not robbing a bank or something. Um, stealing is taking. It's when we take things that don't belong to us. But stealing is also keeping. We steal when we keep things that were meant for us to give away. Uh, wealth and possessions are, are gifts from God that he intends for us to enjoy. And so what that means is it's good to enjoy that, that new drink down at Pharmacy Coffee, the beekeeper, whatever it is that everybody's raving about. Like, like, go get one of those. It's good for you to enjoy that. It's good for you to enjoy a high-quality pen that writes well, Coleman Woody. Um, it, it's good... It's good for you to enjoy a, a, a nice car that, that, that drives well or a good meal or a vacation at the beach or whatever. It is good to enjoy the wealth and the possessions that God has given us. There are wealthy people in the Bible, and so you shouldn't feel guilty about having wealth. But God doesn't give us wealth simply to spend on ourselves and our own enjoyment. In fact, the trajectory that the Bible paints uh, is to use our wealth in other directed ways and not simply in self-directed ways. Coming back to Ephesians 4, the rationale Paul gives there for working is what? He says, so that you will have something to share with those who are in need. Uh, Jesus tells us 
don't store up treasures in, on earth. Store them up in heaven. He tells the rich young ruler who uh, has made wealth an idol, he says, you actually need to give all of this away because it's too important to you. Paul tells us that, that godliness with contentment is great gain. He says it's, it's easy to get tangled up in wealth and to have that actually pull you away from God. And so he tells us to be generous and ready to share. So specifically, what does the Bible say about keeping? Well, we are to work and to keep enough so that we aren't dependent on others. That ought to be our goal. That's 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Uh, we are, though, not to keep it all, of, all to ourselves. We're told to provide for our relatives, and in particular for the, for the members of our own household, 1 Timothy 5. We're not to keep it all for ourselves, but we're to give to the poor. That's Deuteronomy 15. And, and let me read Deuteronomy 15 um, again, if I can find it easily. There it is. If among you one of your brothers should become poor, any of your towns within your land that the Lord your God is giving you, you shall not harden your heart or shut your hand against your poor brother, but you shall open your hand to him and lend to him sufficient for his need, whatever it may be. Uh, Galatians 2, Paul has met with the other apostles, uh, and it's gone well, and he says, they only ask us to remember the poor, which is the very thing we were eager to do. Um, now, one of the reactions when we start talking about being generous and giving to the poor is, uh, well, they got themselves into this situation, or I, they're just going to take advantage of, of our generosity, and we should be thoughtful about how we give. And I think books like When Helping Hurts are good to work through and, and, and thinking through how we give and being wise about that. But I think we should start from a position, instead of start from a, a position of being like hyper-conservative and i got to protect all this, we should start from a position of being very liberal. And I don't mean those terms politically, but I mean we, we should be very generous and realize I'm, I am probably going to be taken advantage of sometimes. But God still calls me to be generous. And certainly I have taken advantage of God and his grace to me at times. Listen to what... B.B. Warfield said about this. Dear Christians, some of you pray night and day to be branches of the true vine. You pray to be made all over in the image of Christ. If so, you must be like him in giving. Though he was rich, yet for our sakes he became poor. Objection one, my money is my own. Answer, Christ might have said my blood is my own. My life is my own. Then where should we have been? Objection to the poor are undeserving. Answer, Christ might have said, they are wicked rebels. Shall I lay down my life for these? I will give to the good angels. But no, he left the 99 and came after the lost. He gave his blood for the undeserving. Objection three, the poor may abuse it. Answer, Christ might have said the same. Yes, with far greater truth. Christ knew that thousands would trample his blood under their feet, that most would despise it, that many would make it an excuse for sinning more, yet he gave his own blood. Oh, my dear Christians, if you would be like Christ, give much, give often, give freely to the vile and the poor, the thankless and the undeserving. Christ is glorious and happy, and so will you be. It is not your money I want, but your happiness. 
Remember his own word, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Uh, then one of the church fathers, Chrysostom, uh, just as an official in an imperial treasury, if he neglects to distribute where he is ordered, but spends instead on his own indolence, pays the penalty and is put to death, so also the rich man is a kind of steward of the money which is owned for the distribution for the poor. I beg you to remember this without fail, that not to share our wealth with the poor is theft from the, from the poor and deprivation of their means of life. We do not possess our wealth, but theirs. And then Basil, it is the bread of the hungry which molders in thy cupboard. It is the garment of the naked which hangs useless in thy chamber. It is the gold of the poor which lies rusting in thy chest. And so we are to, to give generously to the poor, to those who are in need. We're also to give to God. Uh, Malachi 3, will man rob God, yet you are robbing me. How have we robbed you in your tithes and contributions? Bring the full tithe into the storehouse. Uh, God tells his people, yeah, here's what the problem is. You haven't given me the tithe. You haven't tithed as I have commanded you to. And in, in doing this or in failing to do this, you're actually robbing me. Now, um, some of us have had bad experiences with churches uh, that seem to only want money and to talk about money. And that certainly can be a common perception. And sometimes preachers flying big jets and with big multi-million dollar houses don't help this perception uh, sometimes churches don't help this perception. I've heard people complaining about church and have, churches having credit card readers at the back door so we can like get your money any way we possibly can. And, and that's actually one of the reasons we don't pass a plate here at Grace while we have a box there in the back uh, is to push back against that perception a little bit. Uh, if, if, if you're a visitor here, if you're a, not a believer and you're just kind of checking this out, we're not asking for your money. We're, we're just happy that you're here to, to, to be here with us. We, we would love to get to know you better and talk to you more about Jesus, but, but we're not after your money. Um, that said, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, then God does call you to, to tithe, to, to give a tenth. Um, and, and in particular, if you're a, a member of this particular church, you've actually taken vows before God and before other people to support this church in its worship and work uh, to the best of your ability. And that includes tithing. And what Malachi is saying, if, if you're not doing that, then you're actually robbing God. You're actually robbing God. Um, in the Old Testament, there was the regular tithe, which was 10% uh, of your income. And some people will say, well, that's not binding anymore in the New Testament. We don't have to keep doing that. That's an Old Testament thing. But, but let me just say this. We live after the cross, right? We live after the cross. We understand the gospel much better than anyone ever did in the Old Testament. We have seen the generosity of Jesus Christ. We have seen how he became poor for us. So we should be less generous than Old Testament believers. So we should care less about the proclamation and the spread of the gospel than Old Testament believers. So we should trust him less to take care of us. When, we, when he's told us, I've given you Christ, I will certainly also give you all things. No, 
if anything, we should be just as generous and even more generous. So I would just encourage you in thinking about this to start there, to, to start with a tithe, to start uh, with a tenth. And I would suggest also that the place, the best place to start that is giving to that tenth to your local church. Uh, this is the place where you sit under the ministry of the word. These are the, the ministers that you are responsible for taking care of. This is the ministry that you are responsible for promoting. So start there and then give over and above that to other ministries and to the poor and just see how much you can give away. Give away as much as you possibly can. Uh, if, if that seems like a crazy high number to you, or if you've never talked about this before, then, then start somewhere. You know, start with 1%, start with 2%, uh, and just trust God in this. I, you know, we talk about the Sabbath as a trusting God with our time. Tithing is really trusting God with your money. Like in Sabbath, you're trusting, okay, the world's going to keep moving if, if I don't work for a day, if I don't work for a seventh of the week. Uh, trusting God with the tithe is like, okay, the, God's going to take care of us if I don't try to hold all of this money for myself. Uh, John Newton was asked by a young man how much he should give away. And Newton, the, the converted slave trader who, who wrote Amazing Grace, and he said, well, take care of the necessities first. Now, Newton would say uh, necessities means having a standard of living that's barely decent. So I'll let you kind of wrestle with John Newton on that. But he said, take care of the necessities. And then he said, for every penny beyond the necessities that you spend on yourself, spend a penny on the poor. And again, I, I'm going to let you wrestle with that. But, but we are stewards of what God has given us. And, and keeping can be just as much a problem as taking. Taking. Uh, imagine if the groundskeeper of the Atlanta Braves suddenly said, yeah, I, I take care of all this. This field is, is my domain. I think I'm going to plant an oak tree in left field. And I think I'm going to make a beach on the third baseline. And I'm tired of second base getting all torn up with everybody around the corner. So you need to take a detour in the outfield from now on to go around that. And I do such a good job that I think you actually ought to pay more money just for the right of watching the game at this beautiful field. And we would all look at him like, man, you are, you are crazy. Because why would we look at him like crazy? Because, yeah, he does a great job, but it's not his field. He's taking care of it for somebody else. The money we have is, is not our money. We're taking care of it for someone else. It's, it's ultimately God's money, and we are simply stewards of it. It's not given to us so that we can become more and more comfortable. It's not given to us so that we can buy more and more toys, but it's given to us so that we can have the blessing of using it for God's glory and for the good of the people around us. And so we can break the eighth commandment by taking, but we can also break the eighth commandment by keeping. And so the, the question is, how do I let go how do I let go? Instead of taking yours and trying to keep and hold on to mine, how do I actually let go and give generously? I want to suggest several things here uh, quickly. Number one, we have to remember that wealth is a blessing. and It is to be enjoyed, but it's also very dangerous. 
Um, wealth can keep you from seeing your need for God. It, Jesus said it's harder, it's, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Wealth can grab a hold of your heart and actually pull you away from God. Uh, Jesus says riches are deceitful and they can actually choke out the word of God in your life so that it doesn't bear fruit. And so we have to realize that wealth can actually be quite dangerous. I mean, you know, imagine if Superman had a, had a pocket full of kryptonite. Like he would, it will spin doctor's reference for three of you. If, 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 if he, would, he would like try to get that out of his pocket as quickly as possible. Okay, he's like, I, I don't know that I need to keep this. This could actually be hazardous to me. So we have to remember that wealth is a blessing, but it can also be very dangerous. Secondly, uh, I have to remember that my wealth is going to rot. My possessions are going to rot. Uh, the, the art museum thief, he eventually got caught, and it, his girlfriend didn't get caught, and she got nervous about the whole thing. So she went back to, to the house and told his mom, who didn't know any of this was going on, and they, they cleaned that place out, and, and I think they, they like burned some of the paintings, and then they took a lot of this stuff, and they just threw it into a river. So, like, people are walking by and like, what, you know, what is that? And so there's, like, millions of dollars of artwork in this river. That's the destination of your and my earthly treasure. It's, it's going to rot. It's going to be at the bottom of a river. We are not taking us, it with us anywhere. Doesn't it make sense to let it go and to see it be used for the benefit of other people? Wealth is dangerous. Wealth will rot. Uh, wealth is not where you will find life. Jesus is. The American dream is, is not where you will find life. Jesus is. You know, I, I'm not going to read it again, but, but I would just encourage you to sit down with that Isaiah passage, that Isaiah 58 passage later today, where the people are like, well, we're fasting, but you're not paying attention to us. Uh, in that passage, God basically says, look, if you will give yourself away to people who are in need, then I'm going to bring into your life life and refreshment and joy and strength. And so he's saying to us, look, you've got to let go in order to have real joy enter into your life. You've got to let go so that you can grab hold of Jesus who is life. Kent Hughes said, every time I give, I declare that money does not control me. Perpetual generosity is a perpetual de-deification of money. Like, like every time you, you give, you're saying, money, you're not in charge. Money, you're not God. And, and I'm going to give you away. Uh, fourthly, how do we let go? I have to believe that Jesus will take care of me. That, that Jesus, just as he says he provides for the birds and the flowers of the field, that Jesus is going to take care of me. Um, it's easy to let our fears rule us in this area. Fears that you won't have enough, fears that you're not going to be happy, fears that you're going to have to do without, fears that I'm not going to pass that test and get that grade and get that job, and so I need, I need to cheat on this test, I have to steal. You know, we think, I, I have to, to steal or I'm not going to have security. I have to take or I'm not going to have security. I have to keep or I'm not going to have security. You and I can only let go of our wealth and our possessions and, and give them away when they are not our security. You know, think of a, a child who has that blanket, that, that soft blanket, our kids call it, that they carry it around for, 
for so long. And that's, that's their security, right? They can only let go of that security when they feel safe without it. Y'all, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, wealth is not your security. Jesus is. Jesus will take care of you. You can, you can let your treasure go. Now, fifthly, you and I have been blessed to be a blessing. And we really have to begin to, to see that God has given us resources in order for us to then be a resource to others, in order to bless others. Uh, there's, a, there's a story this week of a, a woman who, she was the first woman to dunk a basketball in a collegiate basketball game. And this happened like in, in 1984, and the game wasn't televised. There's nobody with smartphones. That she played for West Virginia, and they were playing the University of Charleston. And the the West Virginia team, they didn't even bother to film the game because it was such a small t- school; they weren't worried about it. But she dunked. She became the first woman to dunk a basketball in a game, and the Charleston team had filmed the game. And so the coach of the West Virginia team went to the coach of the Charleston team after the game. He said, "Can I, can I get a copy of that videotape?" And the guy's like, "No, I'm not going to let you have it." And he held on to that. For years, he died still holding on to that tape. And his son said he wasn't sure why he did it. He thought because he was hyper-competitive and he was mad that they lost. Or he was scared that his team would be scarred because everybody would play this on the news over and over. But he, but he held on to it. And, it. and it was his, right? But it wasn't really his to hold on to. That was meant to be let go so that others could delight and see what had happened. Your wealth is yours. It is yours. But it's not yours to hold on to. It's yours to, to, to give so that you can bless other people. And then finally, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor so that you through his poverty might become rich. Um, the song Amazing Love, he left his father's throne above so free, so infinite in his grace, emptied himself of all but love and bled for Adam's helpless race. His mercy all, immense and free, for oh my God, it found out me. Amazing love, how can it be that thou, my God, should die for me? I read the story this week of someone who got their, this is in Seattle or somewhere, they had their bicycle stolen and they tracked down the thief And they caught them, and this is what they said. This is why you don't steal from bicyclists, because we care about our rides, because I will go 160 miles to get my $2,500 bike back. You are going to jail. All right, don't, don't take that dude's bike. The gospel is about Jesus leaving the glories of heaven and tracking down thieves and catching us and wrapping his arms around us And giving us a better bike and going to jail for us. He became poor so that you and I might be rich. See, if you you see Jesus becoming poor for you. If you see that Jesus let go of heavenly treasure because he wanted to make you his treasure. If you see that he has forgiven both your taking and your keeping can let go of your wealth and give it to others. Let me pray for us. Father, we, uh, we confess that
that we take what is not ours uh, and, and very often we're not even realizing we, we keep things that you have given us in order to, to give away. We, we acknowledge our fears in this area. We acknowledge our, our coveting. Uh, Father, help us to see that, that you will take care of us. Help us to see that you are the, you're the treasure and we have you. Uh, and if we have you, we can, we can let go of earthly treasures. Help us to see these things. Open our eyes. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.